Welcome back to another Edge God In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button to Edge God In to your mind, your will, and those crazy emotions. Our mission at Edge God In is to champion your human potential in Christ, with Christ, and through Christ. So come as you are today, my friend. What is it that perhaps has spun you out of the peace of Christ? There are several things that can hijack us very quickly. And as we have spoken about before, when we discuss the four ordinary activities of the devil in the previous podcasts, we know that Satan is after us through deception, using the four Ds, deceive us, to divide us, to divert our attention from God in order to ultimately discourage us. Today, our topic is landing on four specific hidden idols that Jesus wants to drive out of your life in order to set you free. Edge God In is the voice of the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project. If you haven't explored that project, we welcome you to do so and join our community over there. We send out bi-weekly messages, little tips to help you to remember what it looks like to give God authority over your emotions. And how do we do that, particularly with as strong as emotions are and how quickly we get hijacked? We start out our day and think it's a great day until we run into a human being. And then shazam, we're spun into a pool of negative thinking, oftentimes includes judgment, imploding, exploding. It is a job for Jesus, I can assure you of that. And these idols that we're going to be talking about today are linked into our emotions, each one of them. At the end of this podcast, you'll learn the scriptures that back these idols up as well as give you the opportunity to step into the freedom that Jesus died to give you. You'll learn these four idols and be able to think about them, bring them before the Holy Spirit, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to do the deeper work after you listen to this podcast to truly resurrect the strength of God within you to help you to clear out your marketplace. You'll know what that means too at the end of today's podcast. So again, visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. You can explore the different learning materials there to help you to become the boss of your emotions, emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. And all of our podcasts are housed at edgegodin.com. You can put in a topic, and I think we have, I don't know, 200 and something podcasts up there, and all of them have to do with being a human being, walking through earth school, and wanting to serve Jesus more today than yesterday. You'll find all kinds of topics at edgegodin.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, and as I often invite you to do, pause for a moment and invite the Holy Spirit in to show you what is for you today. There is no accident that you're tuning into today. And perhaps it was the title that caught your curiosity. Hmm, what are these four idols that Jesus wants to drive out of my life? Maybe I didn't even know I had these idols. Either way, come as you are and toss yourself into the lap of Christ. Give him permission to show you 
what he wants you to take from today's podcast and apply to your life so that you grow closer to the love that God has for you today. He loves you right where you are at. He also loves you enough not to leave you there. Jesus is after you today. What do you want to bring to today's podcast that you're seeking some healing in? Keep that in mind as we're exploring this topic of the four idols and watch what the Holy Spirit does for you. Sweet Jesus, I know that if you don't show up within me and help me to get out of my own way, that this podcast will come to jack squat. If you do show up, Lord, I know that you'll touch the hearts of everyone that's listening in in a very profound way. And you will be able to draw them closer to you today than yesterday and set them free from those idols that we get hijacked by. Many times we don't even notice that these idols are cluttering up our marketplace <laughs> inside of us. But you're after clearing everything out so that we have a pure attachment to your heart and you can give us the gift of your freedom, which ultimately sets us free. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight for the edification of everyone who's tuning in today. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. John, the Gospel of John, if you have your Bible, please follow me. And I've mentioned this before, with each podcast at edgegodin.com, you'll notice a downloadable one sheet to help you capture your learnings. We have groups that use them for Bible studies. Take a couple topics at Edge Got In and do a couple weeks study using these one sheets to capture the learning and, and facilitate group discussion as well. We're starting in the Gospel of John at a story that perhaps you've heard or seen depicted in um, many different movies about Jesus in the Gospels. It's in chapter 2, starting at verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple court, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area. Drove all from the temple area. Drove all from the temple area. I'm purposely repeating that because we're going to return to that. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? So my question to us today, me, me included, including myself, what marketplace have you created in your temple? We are told in scripture that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. So metaphorically, come with me on this. Are you tuning or turning your inner life into a marketplace for wealth, pleasure, power, or honor? Your internal marketplace. 
Jesus wants to come in today, my friend, and drive out all of those idols in order to set you free. 1 Corinthians 3.17 says, God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So as we read in John chapter 2, he drove them out. He drove them all from the temple area, all of those idols, all of those things. And an, and an idol, um, just for clarity, an idol is anything that you put above your relationship with God. Jesus finds a place in the marketplace, in the temple, where things other than God became primary. Bring this in, inside your interior world with the Lord. What is it for you that Jesus would want to drive out that it has become more of a priority than your relationship with God? What is cluttering your marketplace inside your temple? 2 Corinthians 6.16, Paul says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. <laughs> and yet we have them. We create them. Matthew 12.30 says, Whoever is not with me is against me. These are distractions. And as we learned, as I started out to today's podcast, and will continue to remind us of this, the four ordinary activities of the devil, he wants to, the third activity is he, he wants to divert our attention from God. How does he do this? Creating those idols, those things that have greater priority than our relationship with God in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about four of them. And as I was leaning into my own interior world, these are the four that came up for me. So perhaps you will be able to relate to them as well. The first idol that finds its place into our marketplace within our temple is insecurity. You might say, well, how is that an idol? How is, how is insecurity an idol? Well, coming back to our understanding of an idol is it's a place where things, insecurity, other than God have become primary. Insecurity is one of those things. It becomes, uh, takes up space between our two ears. We start to think about ourselves in relationship to other people, other situations. This is where we spill out into the idol of comparison, jealousy. Um, it's a thing that leads to diverting our attention away from God and putting above God. I'm thinking about how I am perceived and received other than focusing on how God perceives me and what he wants to do for me and through me for his glory. It's a shift and it's a subtle shift that has hijacked many of our moments in life, mentally speaking, inside our temple. Insecurity has no room in our temple, and yet we give it a whole whole huge corridor at times. It keeps us up at night, and, and it truly comes from identity theft. That's the first phase of emotional intelligence in Christ. We, we actually dedicated the first two weeks of our six-week study guide Emotional Intelligence in Christ six-week study guide to the first 
phase of emotional intelligence in Christ, and that being your identity. Insecurity happens when you place your security in anything but God. Insecurity is a result of placing our security in the opinions of other people, our position, our status, any of those things outside of us, and therefore we become insecure. Our security is always, always intact when we remember that we are not our own, that we've been crucified with Christ on the cross. So it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives within us. So this life that we live, we no longer live for ourselves, but for God. When we live in that security, oh, that's right. It's not about me. The insults of those who insult me have fallen on Christ. I am here for Jesus. Is there anything that you want me to step away from God? Is there anything that you want me to learn from? from this situation that is creating insecure feelings inside, because I belong to you, you alone. So show me how to reclaim the territory of security in my marketplace, inside the castle, in my temple. Clear out the marketplace of insecurity so that I can remember that I don't belong to myself, I belong to you. Psalm 91.14 says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him. That is security right there. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. That's a promise we have from Psalm 91. He will call upon me and I will answer him. God will answer you, my friend. What is it for you today? Perhaps it's rejection. Perhaps you didn't get uh, the recognition that you wanted, that you thought you deserved. Whatever it is that's bumping you, perhaps you weren't included in something. Whatever it is that's bumping you today into a place of insecurity, allow Jesus to take his word that he made into a whip to drive out insecurity in your life. When we do two things, love God and acknowledge his name, as we read in Psalm 91, starting at verse 14, because he loves me, I will rescue him and protect him. As he acknowledges my name, he will call on me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. God is our honor. That doesn't come from human beings. Our honor comes from God. It's misplaced identity seeking that which is in the world that only God can give us. I'm reminded of when um, they ran to the tomb to find Jesus, and the response of the angel was, why are you looking for the living among the dead? We look for the living, our true identity among the dead. The world can never, ever give you what you truly, truly long for. Only God can give you that. And that's to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are loved. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will protect him. Because he acknowledges my name, I will answer him. So my coaching question for you today is this. 
do you acknowledge Jesus' name over the flare-ups of insecurity? Do you talk back? That's one of our strategies to follow Jesus' lead from Luke 4 in the desert. Talk back with scripture. No, my identity stands firm in Christ. I am part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I belong to God. All things are possible for me. He defines me. This person doesn't define me. This job doesn't define me. God defines me. That's my security. My soul rests secure because my heart trusts in God. So increase your trust. Increase your sense of identity. Come back. Clear out that idol, that thing that has become a priority in your thought life in the, in the form of insecurity in your life, caring too much about what people think, how they perceive you, how you're accepted, not accepted, included, not included. And perhaps that relates to you today in some way. So camp on that. God, is insecurity, has that, has that taken up my marketplace inside? Have, has that made up this marketplace inside that has distracted me from you? I give you permission to drive that out in Jesus' name. I drive out all insecurity within. And remember that my identity belongs to God alone. As I place my identity in God alone, my security is resurrected. Because what or who shall come against me when God is for me? Nothing, nothing. So that's the first idol, insecurity. The second one is attachment. The definition of attachment I'm referring to is this, an emotional state of clinging due to the belief that without some thing, person, outcome, situation, you can't feel safe, successful, enough. You can put anything you want in that. And it's a vicious cycle because once we get that which we are attached to, we start to become anxious and worried that we're going to lose that which we're attached to. And Satan's in the corner giving you a standing ovation. Yay, I snagged you. I gotcha. So perhaps in your you have part of your marketplace that Jesus wants to drive out, an attachment today. What are you attached to today? that you have an emotional state of clinging, a certain outcome, wanting to hear back from someone, um, needing to have uh, a certain validation to do what you know God is calling you to do. What is it for you? In Matthew 6.24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. And I'm putting this in the context of attachment. You can't serve your attachment and God. <laughs> I've tried it. I was attached to my hair and I was attached to my breasts and I lost them both. And it was the best experience God ever allowed me to go through because I was still intact. And I remembered through that loss, physical loss, whose I was. I was not my hair. I was not my breasts when I went through advanced cancer and lost all of it. Eyebrows, eyelashes, all of it. Didn't recognize myself from the waist up. I was attached. Didn't know it until I lost it. And that's the thing about attachment. Sometimes you're not even aware you're attached until the threat of losing it, whatever it is, starts to come into view. That's something, my friends, that Jesus wants to drive out of you. No one can serve two masters. 
Either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't, you can't have both. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, he uses money, but, but what is it for you? Money is an idea backed with confidence. That's what money is. What attachment might you have? I cannot serve both God and what's your attachment? What comes to mind? What is that thing that is robbing you of peace and you're clinging to, needing to know, needing to understand, needing to figure it out? Those are all attachments too. It's, attachments have so many different faces. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Holy Spirit, show me what I'm attached to other than God. Because Jesus wants to drive that out, just like he grabbed that whip and drove the money changers and turned over tables. And he wants to clear house. Why? To set us free. <laughs> it's not fun. I remember all the anxiety of the thought of seeing myself bald. When you're attached, uh, it's not a fun situation to go through. However, when you realize how God is your identity, your identity lies in God alone. He alone defines you. Not your hair, not your breasts, not the image in the mirror, not your money in the bank, not your house, not your car. None of that defines you. And it can all just be swept away instantly. Your health, your money, all of it. Jesus wants you to only be attached to him. Interestingly about that verse about you can't serve both God and money, following immediately following in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus goes into his teachings about not worrying. Consider the lilies of the fields. They don't they don't stress out. They don't labor and spin, wondering if God's going to birds of the air. They don't worry if God's going to provide for them. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry about tomorrow. God's got you. We worry when we look at our future and and forget that God's there already. That's what worry. That's where worry comes from. It's a story we tell ourselves about something that hasn't even happened yet, something in the future. And when we remember that God is there, he's the God of yesterday, today, tomorrow, God is always there and he's got our back. When we only have one attachment, one attachment, our heart to God's, there's no room for worrying about losing what you're attached to because you're only attached to God. God, if you want me to have this, I know I'll have it and help me to use it for your glory. If you don't want me to have it, then I won't get it. You know what's best for me. You can pray for anything, anything and everything. But follow Jesus' lead on this. Lord, if, the, if you can let this cup pass for me, may it be done. But if not, your most holy will be done. That's a prayer I prayed quite a bit during the divorce and the, the cancer, advanced cancer, losing my physical appearance, as well as the fear in the midst of the fear of losing my life for three young children at the time. I was attached to needing to know, am I going to die or am I not? And that was a constant attachment that created anxiety. And finally, Jesus said, just know I'm there already. So you can trust me with your breath today. Make me your refuge and your fortress. Rest in the shadow of my strength. Trust in me and know that I've got you. Psalm 91 was a prayer that I prayed, and I've shared this before, almost every night for two years during the two years of chemo and 
14 surgeries and six weeks of daily radiation, double mastectomy, going through the divorce, and a lot of setbacks in between, MRSA staph infection, and flatline two times. It's Psalm 91. Pray it, own it, declare it. First two idols we just discussed is insecurity, attachment. The third one is pride. Pride is the ugly face of entitlement, my friends, and it is rampant in society. So where is it showing up for you these days? And pride's one of those things that it kind of hides underneath the radar. It's an idol that hides underneath the radar. And it's that hunger and thirst to be better than others, right? Or to be more successful than others. And it's, um, you think you pass that first school class and then all of a sudden, shazam, you're re-enrolled. <laughs> I've probably been re-enrolled in the, the pride class 101 uh, hundreds of times in my short 56 years of life. Thanks be to God. He loves us right where we're at, my friends, and loves us enough not to leave us there. So so perhaps you are harboring and it, keeping in your marketplace that Jesus wants to drive out pride. How is that showing up for you? If you're not sure how it's showing up, just get online and look up um, the uh, humility prayer. There's... Uh, there's so many different aspects of pride that we're not even aware of the different faces of pride that, that, that hijack us. And it's, it's a prayer of humility that lets you know, there's lots of different areas, the desire to be seen, the desire to be recognized, the desire to be included, desire to be better than, um, so many different areas, just ask the Holy Spirit to sift you and say, I don't want to live in pride because I know this, the scriptures tell me. Proverbs 16, 18 through 19, pride goes before a fall. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6, Luke 14, 10, take heart, take the lowest place, Jesus says, of honor. Then you will be moved up, take the lowest place. God, give me a hunger and thirst to to serve and to to hunger and thirst after the same kind of heart of service that you had. You came to seek and save the lost and to serve humanity and offered us salvation. Help me to do the same rather than raising myself up over other people. And like I said, you, you, you think you've passed, as soon as you think that you've passed the earth school class of pride, that's usually when God re-enrolls you as he's done for me many times, gratefully. This is where we have the statements when, as I mentioned, the ugly face of entitlement. This is where we feel we deserve better. I need, I want, I have to have this. Um, God wants to deliver you from that. Creates a ton of anxiety, right? I mean, just think about all the times in the last year you compared yourself to someone in your life and you felt less than, or you wanted, you wanted, uh, you kind of had that feeling inside when when someone that you're comparing yourself with uh, tells you some unfortunate event that happened in their life, and there's actually a part of you that's like, yay, finally I can get ahead. And that sounds horrible, yet it's very true. In and of ourselves, we we get hijacked by pride, and that and, and pride is actually fueled by insecurity. The more insecure the person is, their security is based in other things other than God, the more prideful they, they appear with their behaviors. 
So watch out for the ugly face of entitlement, which is pride. What do you feel entitled to? And then watch out for the comparisons. Uh, prayer that I've shared many times on different podcasts, the Lord placed on my heart to pray several years ago was this. I want you to start praying for the success of other people over your own. And when God originally, I remember exactly where I was. I was in the shower. And I remember when he placed it on my heart, I said out loud, nope, no can do. <laughs> and it literally revealed to me how much I was hijacked by my own pride. And so I forced myself. I acted my way into feeling by God's grace. Lord, if you want me to pray that authentically, you got to do it through me. I want that because I know I'll be free. I'll be truly free if I can honestly, honestly pray for the success of other people over my own, because that will give me the humility that will set me free, right? Because then, then a colleague or anyone around me can be cranking it uh, above and beyond me, and I can truly rejoice in the success in other people's success. That's when we know we're truly free, that, that someone else gets something we want, and we can honestly and authentically be glad for them. Think about that for a moment. That's a job for Jesus, just saying. So the fourth idol and final idol we're talking about today that Jesus wants to drive out of our life to set us free is that of greed. Power, greed for power, greed for pleasure. Um, not enough. It literally flows from not enoughness. I need to have what you have in order to know that I'm, I'm okay. Again, it flows from insecurity and pride and attachment. Greed, greed, greed. Man, there's so much in the scriptures about greed. Greed for attention, greed for position, for power. Power over others, by the way, is weakness disguised as strength. Matthew 6 says, hey, don't worry about what other people are doing and don't worry about having even don't worry about what you're going to wear, Jesus says. He's very specific, what you will eat, what you will do, what you won't do. He says, don't worry about those things. Father knows you need them, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And this is the answer and the solution to greed. When you start feeling greedy, greedy for people's time, attention, focus, acknowledgement, all of that, that, that it's just a different face of greed. When you start feeling greedy for those things, start praying with gratitude for everything that God's already given you. You can't be grateful and greedy at the same time. So start declaring those things that God has done for you. Thank you, God, that I can still see and I can hear my children when I was hit after chemo after chemo, couldn't get out of bed, but yet they could come to my bed and I could still hug them and hold them and tell them that I love them and see their faces Thank you, God, for that. So focus on being grateful instead of greedy. Replace your greed with gratefulness. And be thankful in all situations. That will lift you up. 1 Corinthians 6.10, the greedy will not inherit the kingdom of God. Shazam! There you go. If that's not enough, <laughs> that's not a strong enough verse to make you want to give power to the Holy Spirit to drive that out of your inner marketplace to set you free. I don't know what is. The, the greedy will not inherit the kingdom of God. I do not want that to be me, just saying. So dear God, deliver us from all greed. Let God satisfy you. 
greed actually the definition that that I particularly like is this it's an intense selfish desire for something so listener today do you have anything in your life that you're experiencing an intense selfish desire for it's consuming your mind your time your attention your focus Ask the Lord, am I being greedy in this desire or do you want me to pursue this for your glory? We're called to do everything for the glory of God. So show me, Lord, is there any aspect of what I want or what I feel you're moving me to pursue? Show me the faces of greed that are in it. Make me feel very uncomfortable so that I could be set free. Help me to follow Jesus' lead, Matthew 20, 28. He came to serve. Serve others. Help me to do the same. Help me to remember, Lord, in Philippians 4.19, grant me the grace to remember that you will supply all my needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. All my needs. Help me to remember that. In Jesus' name. So, my friends, we've discussed four idols here. Which ones do you recognize that are occupying a marketplace within you. Reread John chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. What does Jesus want to drive out of your marketplace? Perhaps it is one of these four idols that we've discussed today. All four idols are driven out as we focus or actually refocus our time and attention on growing in our relationship with God. First things first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then all these things will be added unto you. There's no need for insecurity, no need for attachment, pride or greed. I've got you. Nothing that comes against you. There's no army that comes against you when you are grounded in me that will prevail. I am your victory. I am your fortress. And God is our strength and our victory. He will fight for us. We have only to be still. He has a plan for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. You don't have to be insecure. I have plans for you. You don't have to have attachments. Release your attachments. Only have one attachment. I am your life. I am your way. I am your truth. No need for pride. I've got your back. No need for greed. Satan attempts to deceive us and divert our attention from the truth. Again, remember, he deceives, he divides, diverts, and discourages. He wants to divert our attention from the truth that God's way and plan for us is the best, always the best, and will provide and accomplish all that God sets forth to do within us. For it is God who works within us, both to will and to act according to his good purposes, Philippians 2.13, Ephesians 3.10. We are the handiwork of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Something not working the way, working out the way you want it to today, 
Is there something in your life today that's not going the way you want it to go? Remember, God has a plan for you. He's able to work everything together, Romans 8, 28, for an ultimate good. Believe me, my friend, when I was diagnosed with advanced cancer one week prior to my final divorce court date, I thought, ah, God forgot about me. <laughs> Not the case. God was taking me through the best earth school class I've ever gone through in my life. God disciplines those he loves. And he punishes those he, he wants to come even closer. He uses all suffering. He never wastes any suffering, ever wastes any suffering. And he calls us not to do the same. Lord, what do you want to teach me during this uncomfortable time or this time of waiting? What character are you developing within me to set me free? God always has our best interests in mind, my friend, and will provide always and accomplish all that God sets forth to do within us. It's the garden scene, the Garden of Eden issue, resurfacing. The Garden Garden of Eden scene is, is creating that sense of deception. God doesn't have your back. He just doesn't want you to be like him. You can't trust him. So what, what does that do? It creates insecurity. Oh my gosh, maybe I can't trust God. So I've got to create attachments. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. Well, I better be prideful. And, and that produces pride, the ugly face of entitlement. I, I do deserve better. Yeah, yeah, I do deserve better in the garden. Well, yeah, I deserve to be to know good from evil. It's the same, same topic, same theme, different stage. Resurfacing. Planting doubt that we can't trust God always. So we kill, steal, destroy, covet. Because we're insecure. Because we're insecure, we form attachment that fuels pride and greed of more of that which can never fully satisfy. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? We can trust God. And know that he has our back. We become insecure and place our sense of worth and value in idols that can't deliver when we don't think that we can trust God. That's what happens. And then we attach ourselves to things thinking that at last, which actually fuels more insecurity, so we attach ourselves to things thinking that at last I'll feel safe. If I have these, this, this, and this, if, if I have this, this, and this, I'll feel successful. If I get this or that, then I can feel safe. And our pride then steps on the stage and is puffed up thinking that I can be God. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. God's not, if I can't trust God, I've got to trust myself. And greed is the ramification of insecurity, attachment, and pride. We claw, we grip, we grasp, we cling to worthless idols, all with an insatiable desire for more. All lies, my friends. Let Jesus clear out your marketplace of idols today for your freedom. So I'll end with this question. Take it before the Lord. What's in your marketplace, in your temple, that is that is meant to be occupied by the Holy Spirit, every crevice, every cell, 
every thought, all parts of us. What's in your marketplace that Jesus wants to drive out of your life to set you free? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let us stand firm and not allow ourselves to be burdened by the yoke of slavery of these three idols, insecurity, attachment, pride, and greed. We are body and soul, 1 Corinthians 6.14. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit in which you are from God? You have this from God, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And that you're not your own. Do you realize you're not your own? You were brought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Lean out your mind, your marketplace, and restore it to its rightful owner, God, the Holy Spirit within you. Let Jesus have at it in the areas of insecurity, attachment, pride, and greed so that you can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, and know, my friend, the truth of Psalm 91, that you find rest and safety and shelter in the shadow of the Most High, because if God is for you, who can be against you? Give him heaven out there, my friends. I look forward to our next podcast together. And I invite you to re-listen to this one when you're in a position to take some notes that the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. You can print out the one sheet at Edge Got In. Join our community at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com and continue to give God more authority than anything, any voice outside of you. He's already overcome all that you feel has, has overcome you today. God bless you, and I look forward to continuing the journey with you, God willing.